Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. People call it PRT for short. I do not, and I don't like those people that call it PRT. I'm just kidding. I do it myself. Actually, uh, it sounds a little easier to say PRT. PRT. So Paranormal Roundtable, I'm your host, Josh Turner. They call me Wolf, and you can call me Mr. Turner. And my co-host is uh, Tony. You can call me Mushu. Uh, I'm actually a little peeved off right now because I just read online that the new Mulan movie is not going to have a Mushu in it. So what's the whole point of even the movie? I guess they're taking some kind of fake. The main character was Mushu? I don't remember that happened. I don't remember any other characters in it. Wasn't it a story about a dragon? <laughs> Dude. Uh, no, it was about a woman. I thought she had like a pet. I remember a there I being a woman, but I just, I mean, there was a dragon in there that was like the star. He did everything wow. with the cricket. That's, I remember. That's what you take away from that. That's uh, the important mm. story of the whole thing. Wait, what? Well, what, what uh, else? Th- what, what life lessons can you learn? And it's not. It's not. Like, it's not. Like you're gonna learn a lot. It's not like Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. I'm learning a lot from watching. Oh, that. really? That's I'm crazy. learning that the way I learned martial arts was incorrect. That you're not supposed to show no mercy. Strike fast. Strike, folks. I have another question for you. If anybody remembers this, I think it's a Mandela effect about the Cobra Kai. A karate Kid. I remember it being strike first, strike fast, strike hard, no mercy. But now, it, apparently, it's just strike uh, first, strike hard, no mercy. So if there's a debate about that, anybody can message me and or point out that you remember that. I don't know. That that's that's weird. I don't know. I just it is it is kind of showing though. It's exposing Danielson for the little weasel that he is, the jealous, angry little bitter kid that he always was. And I mean, I remember you opened my eyes with that video you showed me about. Uh, it takes a different perspective about how, how Johnny was the good guy. Yeah, Johnny is the good guy. It, it was. Daniel's the, the little the little hateful kid that won't let it go. You know, he's the one that's uh, living it up while Johnny's suffering. And in this in the new Cobra Kai like uh, show, you really see the his side of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really it really opens it up. You show how the illegal kick that was used by Daniel and his psychotic mentor, Master Miyago, or whatever his name is. So, anyways, uh, enough about Cobra Kai. I've been watching that lately with my wife, and everybody's been telling me how great it is. So I started watching. It's pretty good, guys. You gotta go check it out. It's a stroll down memory lane too for me because I watched Karate Kid as a kid, but I honestly never really liked uh, Ralph Macho's character. I like I like him as an actor. I really don't like the character. I just thought he was kind of like a wimpy, fighting for points, you know. But I can relate to those Cobra Kai kids because I was one of those kids that, that got messed with, and uh, then I learned how to fight and I turned the tables. And yeah, I can understand how you would. Uh, you know, you go from being kind of a nerd to being, you know, and then everybody wants to be your friend because you can, you can beat them up. <laughs> like, so, hey, you want to hang out? Yeah, of course you do because, you know, you're scared. So, but uh, no, I, I'm not a bully. I was never really a bully. But um, yeah, I became athletic, kind of grew into my body when I was young. I was kind of nerdy and uh, had some issues. So I could understand Cobra Kai, you know. I couldn't. Uh, it was, I've never had really had a struggle with anything. So, I don't really no, understand. you just like you just wore uh, crappy clo- clothes, and, and you uh, carried I had around to a wear the crappy clothes because it was kind of like when you're just so amazingly made, you don't really care about what you wear. Oh, you have to wear to, to make yourself yeah, feel well, more yeah, human I mean, for for y'all, not really for me. Oh, I for guess. the mortals, these uh, mortals yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I prefer peasants, but whatever you decide to call okay. yourself. 
Yeah. For somebody who anyway, called, oh, we're, calls himself Mushu, oh, you okay, have a very narcissistic about, view uh, of Let's yourself. not forget about the email. Yeah, doswolfman88 at gmail.com. Doswolfman88 at gmail.com. That's the email, folks. That's the the uh, what you need to do to reach me. Also, you can send, hit me up on Messenger. I'm fine with that, too. Um, we also have a website, uh, prtpodcast.com, prtpodcast.com. You know, go check it out. We have a link to our store, our merch store. We have a link to our PayPal. We have uh, all, all kind, the archives. Our archives are a lot of artwork on there. So, yep. yep. So go check it out. The thing is, we're going to be getting a new email address that's going to be coming up pretty soon. And it's going to be, I believe, jo- Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. That's going to be our professional email. You can still use the Doswoodman88 email. And eventually it's going to start forwarding those over to the new email, but we're going to transition into that because it's more professional according to Anthony. All right. So I, I personally don't care. It doesn't matter to me, but if you want to reach me, there's different different ways to reach me. We have groups. Tony has a group. Yep. Paranormal Encounters. Yeah, it sucks. And then Paranormal Roundtable, and it's great. And then Paranormal Lounge, which is Nelly's group. It's eh, whatever. But those, those groups are all right. But my group is Paranormal Roundtable. It's the best. And then you have Cryptid Squad, which is Michael Moran. He's killing it, dude. He's almost at two thousand. Yeah. yeah, he's killing it. The last episodes, I think we were. It was saying that he was only at like twelve hundred or something like that. But it, that was those were that was recorded a while back. Now it's already like yeah, he, he's way past that now. Yeah, he's blowing it up. He's really good, guys. He really gets in there and gets after it. Yeah, he seems to care a lot for the group. You know? Yeah, and then you have cryptids, cryptids and paranormal reality. With uh, Lori Shivers, and I'm a, an admin of that group. I have actually been offered to be an admin in several other groups, and I have turned it down because I don't have the time to put into that. And it is no not to take anything away from them. Um, I have also opted out of a few groups because they are, for some reason, restricting us from being able to post our show. So I was like, bye-bye. Um, you know, it's okay for you to post on our stuff. We can post on your stuff. But apparently some people don't want to do that. They just want it to one-way street. So I was like, no, that's fine. Um, but I am in a lot of different groups. I will occasionally send people on my fa- on my friends list, uh, Facebook uh, invites. Now, remember, Friday, um, when this show releases, okay, every Friday, we're going to do a giveaway, okay? And I'm going to post a link to the show in the Paranormal Roundtable group page. On that page, make a comment, hit the like button, whatever, and you will be uh, entered to win the contest, which is a free book. We also throw in a few little extra knickknacks, okay? You know? So, also, another thing that was brought to my attention is we're getting thousands of views on our shows, but we're not getting uh, but but a few hundred likes. So, uh, somebody was telling me, hey, you need to, to push to get more likes because then you, your videos get pushed by YouTube a little more. We are, uh, we did try to correct the issues we had with the um, ads. Ads. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry you had to see my fat face right after I came off of vacation with that announcement. I have lost 14 pounds since then. So I've been kind of on a crash diet. And well, like, thank you for apologizing for that. Yeah. It was really annoying. Yeah, so I, 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 uh, I, me and the viewers are all just really happy. I'm sure Anthony's happy too. So yeah. we are thankful. You can see my ears better. Yeah. So, thank, um, yeah. You're welcome. 
I had I did it with you in mind. Yeah, Johnny. I just want to say like, go keep going. We're proud of you. So. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I did it with you in mind. I didn't want you to have to look at my fat face. So. Oh yeah, and that's why you're the leader of the group because you're so thoughtful. And well, I, I woke up that. thinking I don't want to offend Tony. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, Mushu I mean, or whatever. Well, you just had your priorities straight, and that's what we all appreciate about yeah, you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Feel sorry for Banjo. He has to be with you all the time. Um, anyways, moving on. So, folks, we we do have a show, and we are going to talk about some stuff. It is going to be a good show. I hope we have put a lot of time, energy, and effort into it, doing some research on it, and it is going to be about uh, like the little bunnies with the vampire bunnies, right? Oh my gosh, chupacabras! Oh my bad. I just uh, I just saw the uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, so I got well, completely confused. Okay, but I guess and, it's basically and, and, the same thing. They're both bloodsuckers. Right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to talk about is I'm writing a book. All right, so I've been talking to a lot of authors lately, and it's inspired me. So I've been working on that for a while, and I'm going to give you a small excerpt from the beginning of that book uh, today. So I'm excited. I, the last few days, I've talked to Nick Redfern. I've talked to uh, Ken Gearhart. Been messaging back and forth with Chad Lewis, trying to get him to coordinate so we can get it, we can get him on the show. And um, I was talking to Nick Valente from the North American Dogman Project. Very well researched, very well read individual, and has had his own experience with Dogman. And uh, I'm going to get him on the show too. He's not an author, but he should be. And, but so, anyways, I was I was doing some research on the chupacabra, and I had these long talks with these uh, authors and and researchers, and was getting some information from them to uh, you know share back and forth. And so I wanted to read a, a little excerpt from what is going to be my book. Okay. So I'm going to start off with that. All right. All right. And I'm going to have to do it in a, in a certain voice so you can get the feel for, for what it's going to. Okay. All right. Here, here we go. Let me get it. Here, I got it written down. This is the beginning of the book, folks. I was born in the dog days of summer. Uh, that's all I have right now. I'm planning on doing more, but... It, were you born in the summer? Yes, it, I was. July. Okay, dude. Look, it takes time to do these things. Right? Well, no, I'm actually. It's only very been impressed. two and a half years. I've been working on it. I'm planning on doing more. Well, no, here I was. I was. I was honestly impressed with what you had so far. Uh, it really encompasses, I think, a lot about you. So, and uh, it really brings the viewers and lets them see your beginnings. And I think that's very important. So, just uh, keep yeah. with it. You like it, huh? Uh, no, no, I didn't. But. Oh. But for you, I guess it's very impressive wow. so far. Okay, that's not cool. I, so I, I, keep going. Oh, once again, like I said, it's only been two years. It ta- these greatness takes time, folks. It exactly. takes time. All right, give yeah. me some time, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish this book probably by twenty eighty. So, anyways, moving on here. I guess I'm not an author. I don't know. But you know what? Nick Redfern did say something. He said not everybody has the same talents, and my talent is to talk a lot of crap. So, yeah. I thank Nick for pointing that out to me. So, anyways, he's going to be coming on the show too, folks. We uh, he's gonna, he's written another book. This guy is a prolific author. He's going to catch Brad Steiger. I'm telling you, this guy's like 60 books in. I don't know how many. I think Brad wrote like 90 or something. I'm not for sure. And uh, so he's he's written 60 books, and he's got another one about Mars coming out, and he just released one, Monsters of the Deep. I think he just sits there and writes books all day long. I mean, he's an amazing. Well, author. If you got a passion for it, I'm sure. No, oh, he's it just he's, go, goes by unreal. But uh, yeah, he's going to be coming on the show, and I and I was going to have him on and talk about the other book, but he's already written another book, so you know it's like I can't even keep up. But uh, he's a really nice guy. He lives up in uh, in Arlington, Texas, um, 
So, and Ken, of course, a good friend of mine, lives down in San Antonio, and I've been talking to him about the Chupacabra. They both had their uh, explorations of that. Ken in Mexico, uh, and Nick has gone to Puerto Rico. So, anyways, without further ado, here's what we got going on. I'm going to start from the beginning for me when it comes to this subject. Now, people have been asking me why I haven't covered this subject yet, and it's already 90 episodes. I'll tell you why, because it's very vast. It's like one of those weird foods that somebody gives you and you don't know where to take a bite from it because it's such a huge uh, ordeal. I, I didn't really know where to start. I have had my own personal experiences with these things. If you take that there's two different types, okay? There are many stories. Now, when I put put the post up there just as a last uh, uh, ditch thing, hey, if anybody wants to send some stories and I could sift through them, I couldn't believe how many I got. I got hit. I got slammed. And I so I picked out uh, three or four that, that I could go over. And I and I had a couple that I really didn't have a good a, a, a long time a not a long enough time to um, really get a feel for how to retell it. So I just was going to read the email. So I have a couple of listeners uh, that sent me their stories. And I'm going to reread their emails. Now I did manage to get a few stories that I did commit to memory, and I could I can retell them. Um, but I'm going to start from when I was a child with this subject. Now here here's what I know from being a child. I didn't know what a chupacabra was. I'd never, you know, been told, "Hey, this is a chupacabra." Uh, I was. In, it was in the '80s, and they weren't calling it that when I was in Candelaria, uh, on the in Mexico, with my grandfather. We went across uh, to Candelaria quite often. We would travel through the Chinati Mountains and Pinto Canyon. That's out near Marfa, Texas. Now Marfa is known for the Marfa Lights, and there's also a lot of UFO activity out there. A lot. I also covered a story on Vic's show about a dog man from a DJ friend of mine who I think you probably have actually met him at Darwin's once, Tony. Um, he's a DJ, and he had a dog man story about it, and I put it on Vic's show. But th- that's that's where my grandfather and grandmother lived when I, in the 80s when I was a kid. When they moved from Central Texas, they moved out there to retire out there. And uh, we would travel to visit friends of my grandfather's out in Candelaria. It's a very remote Mexican village just across the border. It's a pretty neat little place, and uh, it's it's pretty high up. It's kind of up in the mountains. And um, so I would play my, – my grandfather would hang out at this store that this, with this family, and they had a place for us. They would let us sleep in the back. And um, my grandfather would, would hang out and, and, you know, we'd spend, you know, afternoons out there, and we'd stay the night, and my grandfather would hang out with these people. And uh, I would play, and there was an old abandoned church that was dilapidated, um, like there was no front wall. There was actually a door, but there was no wall, so I never used the door, just walked in. It had been uh, crumbling for a while, and there were cactus plants and all kinds of other things around, and I was told, because my grandfather was not the most responsible human being when it came to me, he would just let me do whatever I wanted, just like he did with my dad. Just go raise yourself, whatever. So, you know, I was a little seven-year-old kid or whatever. I was wandering around out there playing, and um, I was told to be very careful because there's rattlesnakes in the cactuses that were growing in, in what was once the inside of that church. I believe that church had probably been there for two or three hundred years. The Spanish had built it. And so we were wandering around in there, 
as a kid, and I say we because I had a friend, and I can't remember his name, um, but he was a, a, a little Mexican boy that I used to play with. We'd always go and hang out together, and we were the same age. And he would go to school at the little schoolhouse, and we would go and we would play. They had like a little playground in a fenced-in area, and we would play back there for a little bit. But then we'd go exploring, and we would take sticks and poke at cactuses and stuff. Now, we did come across a rattlesnake one time, and it scared us, and we ran but one of the things that I was told as a child was that there was this little creature, and that, as they said in Spanish, it's a little tecuache, like a little monito. And what they were referring to when they described it to me was that it was like a little reptile-looking creature about the size of a child with skinny limbs, the way that they described it, and it had ridges or horns going down its back. And uh, it had a snake-like tongue and reptilian-looking eyes and that it would crawl around underneath bushes and it would come out and grab you if you were a kid and pull you away. Supposedly, a child was uh, did disappear in that village back in the 70s, according to what I was told by my grandmother years ago. So I don't know for sure if this was just stories to scare children, but it did sound very much like a chupacabra. Now, at the time, nobody said, hey, this is a chupacabra. They called it something else. They called it the tequache, monito, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, they weren't telling me, hey, there's a chupacabra out there, and, you know, and it wasn't, like, from pop culture. This was something that they believed in that existed, that they were very adamant was real. There was also a cemetery, and you could climb up this hill, this ridge, and looking back on it, it was very dangerous because it was about 30, 40 feet up uh, on this ridge, and then you could climb up to the top, and, and there was a cemetery there. Because the road had washed out a long time ago and the cemetery was was almost unreachable. You had to climb it. Now, as a little kid, we could do it. And the kid, that, one of the kids that I played with, there was another little kid, was a little girl. And she spoke uh, better English than the little boy. And I didn't know her. I don't, I don't remember her name either. I don't know her name. But I remember her saying that she saw one of these creatures hiding behind a headstone. And she had a picture of it, like she had drawn it as a kid. And I remember looking at it and going like, what is that? It burned in my mind like um, years later when I saw like the grays, the aliens, that, that it was, it kind of looked like that. Their skin stone or like, what do you mean? Um, well, like it that? was just a little cartoon that she, like a little oh, picture okay. she had drawn that looked like Godzilla. I mean, like a little Godzilla type creature. Now that'll come up again later in the show. I'm going to talk about that. Um, but it looked like it had an alien, like a like an alien body. It was real skinny, and she she drew a pretty good picture. She was a little older than me; she was like eleven, and I was like seven or eight. So, and I remember as a little kid, she was very pretty. I remember playing with her, and she was very nice to me. And so, she, but she was kind of protective of me and the other two kids that, that were running around with us. She would always kind of she was the older kid. She was always kind of like be careful. And she told me that that one time there was a little creature that was hiding behind a headstone. And when I went into her room, she showed me the picture. Now that is looking back. My first uh, experience with the Chupacabra did not see it, had not, did not have any sort of um, like encounter myself with it at that time. Nothing like that. But moving forward, I did have my own experiences with what they call the Texas Chupacabra. Now, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. In 2008, I worked at a job site off of uh, 
like over there behind the shopping center, Tony, where we were doing the Ross and all that. There's a shopping center over there now. Behind that shopping center, there used to be a big, thick bunch of woods, and it was kind of its own little ecosystem. And it's kind of uh, sad that they tore it all up and and built two apartment complexes. And I did security there, and at that time, that uh, property, there were these weird looking animals. Uh, they looked like hairless dogs. <clears throat> they were not aggressive. I have to say that they, they, there was nothing out of the ordinary to me other than they were weird looking. They looked like hairless coyotes. They had over, over, oversized fangs that hung down uh, you know, and they were menacing looking, but I ran into one because they were, they were draining the, uh, this area behind there. There was like a pond. And it was once a creek, and it had shriveled up to a pond, and they were trying to drain it with these uh, uh, pumps. And so they had, like, just like the job sites we have now, you know, they had generators. So I had to go, and literally almost the same kind. It was not that long ago. It was several, you know, 10 years, whatever. But we have the same kind of generators, you know, those big box, you know. So I had to go and I had to turn it off. That was one of the things they asked me to do. And so I had worked with these people for a while. And, and so I did a little extra things for them, you know. And uh, so I would go and check the pump for them and, at night so they didn't have to leave a guy there to do it. And I said, that's no problem. I can do it. Uh, one of the workers there told me that he saw this weird-looking creature kind of milling around by his truck. He opened the door and he shooted away. He said it looked like a mangy coyote. But it growled at him. And it had really weird looking eyes. I didn't really think nothing of it. I just was like, okay, it's probably a, it's probably what it is. I saw coyotes out there. So I go out there one day to turn the generators off and this dog like animal comes out from the, the woods. And I thought, man, that's a weird looking dog. And I shine my light right on it. And its eyes were kind of a blue. And, uh, I just thought that is one hairless, weird looking dog. And uh, I just kind of stomped my foot at it, and it just kind of bounced back into the woods, and it was gone. It wasn't aggressive, like I said, and I just got back in, in my vehicle, and I backed out, and I drove off after I finished changing, uh, turning the pump and the, and, the, and the generator off. One night, I was walking through that property, and I was going upstairs to lock up some of the, the, the rooms, or the, the apartments, and I came across a bigger one. Uh, this one, I know it was a female because I saw it a couple times after that, and I saw it in broad daylight, and it was large, and it had the, just the weird-looking, kind of wrinkly-looking skin. It was hairless, completely hairless, and it, it had these weird-looking legs, paws, whatever, and it had weird oversized fangs. It was the weirdest canine I'd ever seen. So I came home. Uh, the guy I was, I was living with at that time were, was D. And my roommate, Pete, and Anthony, I don't think you were here yet at that time. No. Nope. Um, but you did go to that site with me a couple times. So you remember I told you about that. And we found like a dead animal or whatever. Here's the weird thing. Like I told him about it. And, and at that time, I, nobody, I don't remember anybody saying chupacabra, chupacabra about that, about those dogs. To me, it was just a dog that was just deformed and weird looking. Okay. Not until later on did I hear people talking about it on these shows and, and all this pop culture that those were Texas chupacabras. They were accused of exsanguinating animals, which there could be some truth to that because I did find a raccoon that looked like he was completely squished and it was near the wood line. It wasn't like he had been run over. 
So I did kind of put two and two together, you know, and later on and go, oh my gosh, I've seen those. I ran into a smaller one when me and about, you know, at least a dozen to maybe, maybe even more than that, you know, maybe 15 workers were, were all in their lunch break. And on a Saturday afternoon, a small one came running out between two buildings and ran through a crowd of workers that were all taking their lunch while I was sitting there talking to them. And it crawled underneath the fence, almost flattened its body out. It was pretty amazing the way it did it. And then it got up underneath the fence and ran and kept going. And I was, we were all like, whoa, whoa. Well, the workers started pointing and saying, hey, chupacabra, chupacabra. Well, if anybody knows anything about Mexican culture, and it's one of the things me and Ken Gerhard talked about when he was doing his research down there, chupacabra in Mexico is kind of a catch-all term, kind of how el cocoy here in the Mexican-Americans, the Tejanos and the, Tejanos and the Chicanos, both tend to say uh, el cocoy, the cocoy is everybody has a, a monster in the closet or it's a, it's a cocoy, everything's a cocoy. It's a catch-all. So the the workers weren't necessarily saying chupacabra. They were they were kind of saying monster, you know, like that's a monster. Like maybe they had encountered this thing before. Maybe they hadn't. I don't know. Didn't really like go into asking them a bunch of details about it. I just thought, what a weird looking creature. And I'm sure they thought that too. I didn't go around interviewing people and asking them what they thought of it or if they'd seen them before. I saw them all the time out there. So it was no big deal to me. It wasn't until later on that it became like, oh, that's something amazing. So fast forward uh, to about three, four weeks ago, me and Nelly, my wife, were driving down Lamar. And Tony, you know exactly where this is at. You know where the old 24-hour fitness is now defunct. You're driving down Lamar. That would be the parking lot from that little park would be to your left. And right when you get to that little bridge, that little dip right there, mm -hmm. we saw two of them, which is about a third of a mile from from that, that, that uh, property, which would be kind of behind Sears now, kind of behind Ross. So it's only about a third of a mile from there, and it would be nothing for those dogs to just relocate. So it's right there before you get to that little entrance for that old church that looks like it's a Scottish castle or whatever. We saw two of them run across the road, and my wife goes, oh, my gosh, look. And so we slowed down, and they, they ran off on the road, and they got off to the side of our vehicle down in this little gully. And uh, we shined the flashlight on them. And for a split second, they were there, and then they 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 bounced, they bailed. Definitely the same thing. Now, what I talked about with Ken Gerhardt is that you know, I thought I told Ken, I said, dude, I I, I these things are or I've seen a, another cryptid. I thought you know, I was excited. I thought, wow, I've had lots of ghost experiences and spiritual experiences and stuff, but not not much with the cryptids. I've only had like one confirmed, one hundred percent. I can say was a cryptid. That was the Dogman. This, uh, I thought. I had seen something amazing. And so I talked to Ken and Ken's kind of like burst my bubble. He's like, he goes, well, you know, they're actually not that uncommon now. And we have found species, uh, specimens, and they've been sent to Texas A&M and they've been, and, uh, you know, they, they, they know that at least part of the DNA is wolf and coyote. And then there's something kind of unknown. And then there's like a dog. They are weird looking. I mean, they're definitely like not a normal creature. It's not like you walk to the store, you see one all the time. I mean, they are bizarre, but it's not really a cryptid. It's not really like weird in, in that, in the way that, you know, now Ken told me that he goes, I was coming back from a Bigfoot conference and uh, I was driving through Corsicana in Texas here and he saw one on the side of the road. I mean, so it's like not that uncommon. Then I was talking to a buddy of mine 
who lives up in uh, Temple, and he was like, "Yeah, I saw one." Like, I'm like okay, so, so everybody's seen them. It's not like it's it's not like I was like all amazed. Like I was like. I told my wife, I said, the most common cryptid. Yeah, it's very common. I told my wife, I said, I got good news and bad news. The good news is we did see something that was very unusual. The bad news is it's not really an uncommon cryptid. And it's not even really a cryptid. And they don't even really call it chupacabra because it's really different from this little small uh, little creature. It's not a cryptid in that way. It is, is it blue dog is what they call it. But they don't really know a whole lot about it. They know that they're weird. And they're hairless, and and so when I talked to Nick Redfern about it uh, yesterday, it was like he was saying, yeah, you know, th- there there are two different, completely two different things. Now I did talk to both of these guys uh, about the exsanguination. Now one of the things that that I did I did see a a raccoon, and I found a squirrel, and I was with Anthony actually when we found the squirrel. I showed him; they looked like there was like they were squished. You know what I mean? Like if you sucked all of the fluid out of an animal, like how an animal is, uh, like if, if if something fell into a spider's web, mm-hmm. okay, it was like they'd been exsanguinated. And okay, so that was weird. So, but other than that, I can't say that I've seen them doing this blood drinking that they that they claim these dogs do. They claim that these uh, that they attack people's chickens. They use these uh, these these big upper fangs and they suck the blood out. Now I was talking to Nick Valente. Uh, earlier today, actually, we had a long talk. I like Nick a lot. If anybody knows Nick, he runs uh, part of the NADP with Jody Cook, the National uh, North, or the North American Dogman Project. Uh, great guys, and he's up there in uh, New Jersey. And we were talking, and he's done a lot of research on these uh, chupacabra. And one of the things he was telling me was that the exsanguination is not necessarily exsanguination. It just seems to that way because if an animal's dead and then once the blood congeals, if you cut it open, the blood doesn't come out. So he thinks that a lot of it is actually a mistake. But I, I told Nick, I said, look, you know, these, these two carcasses I found were like husks. Okay. Now, I'm not going around playing with dead stuff. I'm not a serial killer. You know, I'm not getting, st- hey, let's play with this. Like, like telling my nephew, hey, let's go and let's mess with this animal that's dead. Come here and let's mess with it. No, I just wanted to show him because it was like, this is bizarre. This is weird. Uh, the raccoon, I, d- I used to have a photo of it on my old phone. I took a picture of it and I said, this is weird, man. It looked like something had just sucked it to where it was just a, a husk. Like there was nothing but uh, the, the skeletal uh, body and like fur. Uh, almost like everything was drained out of it. Uh, so if if the the stories are to be believed of the exsanguination happening at the hands of these blue dogs, that could very well be what what happened. Now, like I said before, uh, it wasn't that big of a deal, I guess, to uh, see these creatures because apparently they're pretty common. It's not like an uncommon thing, and obviously there's some sort of breeding population. Not far from where we live. I mean, it's just right there. I mean, it was, you know, me and my wife saw it and she was like, that looks like those chupacabras, you know? And I was like, oh, wow. And then when I talked to Ken, he was just like, well, I don't want to burst your bubble, but (laughs) it's not really like a cryptid anymore because we know we've got specimens and we, although they're weird looking, it's not really like you've seen some amazing things. So anybody who's out there uh, who has seen these things, uh, you're nobody. I'm just letting you know. I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're just like me. You're just, uh, I mean, it, you, you can, you can like say, I saw something highly unusual. I saw something very weird. 
right? Mm-hmm. And like you know, like we've talked before, you knew, I've said this before, that I've seen what they call the blue dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've told well, you. at the time, I didn't know the, the, the correlation between a blue dog and a chupacabra. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen, you know, dogs before too. So it didn't really, I didn't know exactly <laughs> what you were talking about. Well, people mistake it and say that's a chupacabra. That's not what I refer to that as. Now, it is odd that I did find these squished animals. So if these things are doing some sort of exsanguination, that does make them a very different species. And there are ranchers and farmers who swear up and down that these things do exsanguinate animals. They drink the blood. They suck the blood out. I had a Bigfoot researcher. In fact, you probably know who I'm talking about. I mean, he's a, not a he's not a great friend or whatever, but I do talk to him on occasion. He mentioned that he thought maybe these things could have been some sort of genetic manipulation and that they could have some sort of what you described as uh, a form of... Uh, oh, you mean like vampirism? Vampirism. Well, I was just thinking more in like the, uh, the idea of like a disease that they just passed in between each other. And that's why you find like a lot of different DNAs and like that you find that big mixture. Because it might be that like what happens is it's a bunch of different creatures that are unfortunately are infected by something and it turns them into something else and then those breed and then it creates like this genetic uh, mm-hmm. mosh posh or like yeah, you know, hot pot yeah all this stuff yeah and you had mentioned off off air that, that you thought maybe it could be a form of uh, vampirism no it's just a theory I mean it was, I mean it, it, it might be like that's why they're so hard and that's why they look so weird is like because like there's something that's actually attacking them and changing them like that and you know and especially when you hear about the desanguination that you uh that uh, occurs you instantly think vampires but i i wasn't really paying attention to just like the the fangs and the the blood sucking i was thinking like oh what if it was like you know some kind of disease that they pass between each other that coyotes dogs wolves or other maybe canine uh, uh you know uh animals can uh get yeah, mammals. mammals. I mean, like it's them. weird because like the the vampire bat is is a an animal that that drinks blood. It it I don't I don't know. I mean, it could be. I mean, maybe they have something that's lacking in their body that they need cuz I know Ken Gerhardt it's something like that. Maybe they that there's something that that's why that they they need the blood or whatever, why they tend to uh go for that. That's their main, you know. Maybe well, they're, they're what's in something. what's in blood. Um, do all? I mean, I know uh, humans they have, have an iron, iron deficiency. I was I mean, say, who like knows? Maybe that that know? might be what it is, and that's why they do that. Because you'll crave things when you when you have an iron deficiency. There's people that that have said that they have. Because my wife sometimes has an iron deficiency. She, she her iron levels will be low, and and she'll crave ice, which is weird, and it tells her she needs to take her iron pill. And uh, but people like that, they'll they'll crave things that are unusual. Yeah, your body knows what it needs, and mm-hmm. you know, I've never craved liver, so I'm pretty sure I don't have an iron deficiency. <laughs> I don't, I don't. But you know, I mean, it's it's weird. Like I had, the, you know, I've talked to so many people about it recently about the different theories and stuff. And and one particular said that you know he thought it could be you know that that, that this thing it needs the blood. You know, and maybe that's what they're doing, you know, and that's why there are people are claiming that they see. Um, I'll, I'll tell one story about the blue dog and the exsanguination. And, but this one happened on the border. Uh, it was down in the Rio Grande Valley near Harlingen. 
And this lady sent me a story and she said, and it's a very short one, but her boyfriend at the time, now her husband, used to have uh, fighting roosters, which is you know not completely uncommon. It's not legal here in the States. It's actually legal in Mexico, and I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, he was having something messing with his roosters and he found uh, one of these blue dogs or whatever you want to call them basically just sucking the blood out, like bite he bit into it watched him do it and he he watched it happen like and it, it just began to uh lap up the blood uh with its tongue as the blood came out of the of the animal and it just it, it was pretty much interested in 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 that not really eating the animal it just was he saw it drinking the blood and then he shot it and even though it was wounded he shot it with a 22 pistol and then it it did ran off wounded and it was pretty much the exact image of what I saw. Now, I know that I talked to, to these other people about who have seen it. And, and a lot of people claim that they have these nodules on their rump. I didn't see that on the ones that I saw. There were no nodules. And my wife doesn't remember seeing any when they ran across the road. So, you know, it, to me, it's just a hairless uh, anomaly. It's not really something that you can say, oh, wow, I saw, you know, it's not like seeing Bigfoot, you know. Well, I mean, there's plenty of creatures around the world that, like, you know, if you first, if you were the first person to see it, no one would believe you. Mm-hmm. Like a goblin shark, you know, you know what those sharks oh, are. Oh yeah. yeah, the ones that like shoot their mouths forward and like they they just look very creepy. But if I mentioned that to someone, be like, imagine a shark that can just sh- shoot its mouth forward like a, a a slingshot or just an attack like that, and no one would believe you. They would you know call you crazy until you actually find one. So. I'm sure that it's probably just the same thing with these things. I mean, uh, until we actually get more research on them, then you know, we are just slowly uncovering what they are. Yeah. And I think that's how it's going to be with all cryptids. I think eventually we'll just start, uh, 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 you know, finding more and more details and more evidence and putting up more theories. Do so you and, think we'll actually eventually figure out what this other chupacabra, the real chupacabra is? I, I think that that's like the hope for all cryptids. I think like that's where the the end game is is like to expand our on our own knowledge so that it becomes less of like a cryptid and more of like that's a creature that we understand and that's something that we can put down in our in science books and teach someone about and it'll be less of like a, an unknown and more of like you know it'd be less paranormal and just you know normal and I mean I think that's where everyone who researches like the end goal is, is to eventually figure out what it really is. And, yeah, I mean, not us. We're experts. So once again, yeah, I already know the answers. I'm just yeah. trying to help. But them, I was just know. thinking about other people, and you you know me. I always like to put myself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, very kind of you. I taught <laughs> you that too, though. So. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. So moving on with from from this blue dog thing, you know, I got a couple other stories about the blue dog, but that's not as interesting to me as this uh, creature that I first heard about as a child that I now believe was a chupacabra. No, I have never seen a chupacabra. Blue dog, yes. And I told my friends, Pete, Pete Faden, I know if you're out there, folks, you can go and harass him on Facebook. I did talk to him (laughs) about this when I saw it back in 2008, and I kept telling him I saw this weird creature and him and my brother – um, I told Scorpion, you know, back when it was going on, back when it happened, I told your stepdad too, Tony, and actually you've heard the story. You're probably tired of hearing about it, but anyways, it's not a big deal moving on. It's not like it was, you know, some of the other re- really weird paranormal things that have happened to me. It's just cool that I was, you know, I've been out 
in a place where they happen to run around. And actually, they're very they're becoming more common. That's one thing that uh, Nick Redfern and Ken both told me that it's be, they're becoming more common. And Nick Valente pointed out something to me, you know, about the Lowland Mountain Gorilla and like what you just said, like that was something that was completely undiscovered until, you know, not that long ago. And people were like, what are you talking about? That's just weird. It's like man-like, you know, and it's black and it's out in the, you know, mm-hmm. this big creature, the Terry out in the jungle, whatever. And people kept saying they were seeing them and then it was just kind of a rumor until they finally, you know, somebody shot one. But yeah. So the the, the childhood thing is experiences. Now I have another childhood story that I think was a chupacabra, a one of the little weird looking alien chupacabra looking things. When I lived in Rockdale, Texas as a kid, once again, I didn't see this myself and I did not actually know any of the kids who actually claimed to have seen it, but there were, there were stories in the woods we called the trails uh, that were, it was like they were building these houses in these neighborhoods and then they just stopped and they left it all wooded. And that whole area of Rockdale is just really heavily wooded a lot of oak and uh, a lot of poison oak too. But um, there was a story, and I, and I looking back on it now, that was probably, that would be classified as a chupacabra. They said that there was this weird looking creature with little spines. and But the, the story was that it could shoot spines at you. And that's what we were told as kids. We were traveling through there, and they said the older kids would say, there's a creature out there that's a small little like thing that hops around like a kangaroo. And it has spines on it, and it'll throw its spines at you. And if it hits you, then you'll become paralyzed, and then it'll come and it'll drink your blood. And then supposedly they found kids that had had their blood drained. Now, of course, this is kids talking crap, right? The older oh, kids yeah. trying to scare them, my sister's friends trying to scare us. But you think about it, a weird-looking little thing that hopped around on its back legs that's gray. They also said it was gray or greenish-gray, and that it had spines. Now you look back and you're going, that's a chupacabra. You know, that's, I mean, no, now I couldn't find anyone from my childhood that it was always like this person said from that person. You couldn't really locate the source of these stories. So I'm not going to say that, yeah, those woods had, you know, chupacabras in there. Now I did, I did get a dogman story from those, those woods from somebody that I, that found out that I was, you know, talking about this and all that. Now, but that's not really that uncommon here in Texas either, central Texas. There's a lot of people who've seen Dogman, but they're they're not calling it Dogman because they don't really know what that is. They're not saying, "Oh, it's Dogman." They're saying they see a freaking werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And so, but here here is uh, a story I got from a rancher down in Mexico. Now this happened in uh, Guerrero, and in in Guerrero, there's a lot of cactus. Now, and and this guy was out walking on in a ranch, and he was with a couple other workers and he actually would come to America quite often. He was like, he traveled back and forth. And when he was a young man uh, and I met this guy through, through his friend who actually dated one of my cousins. And now this guy, he said that he was working on a ranch down in Mexico. Uh, He was the lead uh, vaquero out there and that he was, had just gotten to that ranch and had not worked in that area before. And he saw what he thought was a little doll sitting by some cactuses at the base of some cactuses. And he walked up to it and was like, what is this? And he, and as he went to kick it, one of the other workers grabbed him and told him, no, senor, no, no, el chupacabra, el chupacabra. And he's like, what? Chupacabra. And he was like, yeah, the chupacabra. 
And he said it looked like he said it looked like a Pokemon. That's exactly how he described it to me. I met this guy like first time I ever met him was at a party. Uh, he's he's a cool dude, and um, and he spoke pretty good English. And he was like, I thought it was a little Pokemon, like somebody had left their little doll there, little monito, you know. And uh, he said that he went to kick at it, and he said that this thing moved really fast, and then ducked under some cactuses, and he felt a, a stinging burn in his leg. This thing had punctured his his leather boot, and had jabbed him in his ankle. And he she pulled up his pant and he showed me and a couple of the guys, uh, my brother and a couple other people. He showed us that he had been bit or stung by this thing. And and I mean, of course, back then I didn't have a camera phone. You know, I had like I think the best we had was probably razor, and I didn't have one back then. So this was a long time ago when he told me this story, and uh, we were talking about weird stuff, you know, whatever. And he showed us, and it looked it looked like a cigarette burn. And he said it was a lot worse, and, and his legs swelled up, and, and they there was no hospital around there anywhere close to where he was at. So he had to kind of wait it out, and they said that, that you know, they put ice on it, and they squeezed it, and this weird pus came out. And he languished in agony for about a week, and then he recovered. Well, did he feel, like, paralyzed? Like, did it feel uh, numb? His leg went numb, yeah, and he said mm-hmm. that he could barely walk, and then he managed to get back to the bunkhouse, and then, of course, he just sat there with a fever, and he was sick. And this weird yellow pus came out of his leg. Uh, quintessential uh, chupacabra. I mean, like he described it, like it was this thing was maybe you know not not very big, not maybe about a foot tall at the most, and it was just sitting there. And like he said, he thought it was a little doll or something until he got closer, and he said it was heaving, like it was breathing hard, like it was something was wrong with it. You know, like he, when he got closer, he goes, "What is that?" Like it was moving, and he thought, "Oh, it's a." It's an animal, so he didn't really kick it. He said he kind of went to move it with his foot, and then bam, he didn't. It moved so fast he didn't even see the strike, and he said it was like a rattlesnake, like boom. And then immediately the the, the workers knew, you know, and a couple of them had shown them where they had been bitten or stung by these the smaller ones. Apparently, the bigger ones will paralyze you and then drink your blood, according to these ranchers. Uh, it had a gray, gray, gray skin. It was completely gray, uh, bulbous head with spines on its back, uh, spines running along its arms with claws and these weird looking legs and his little pot belly, according to him. And, um, had like leathery looking skin as he got closer, he could see that it was a real thing and he was kind of kicking he thought it was dead because of the way it was laying there until he saw it kind of sit up and heave. And at that point, it was already too late. His leg was like already in motion to, to you know, and it, it took it as a as a threat. And it eyes, it, the eyes were closed. He said it was like there was no, there was no, nothing on the eyes. And then they opened. Like he said, he saw like a, almost like a light come from him. Said that the eyes were red, reddish yellow, a red, a red and yellow. And they were very reptilian looking. Uh, he said he saw a tongue. Like something, like a protrusion or something come out of its mouth, like real brief. And that was it. He doesn't remember, like, didn't see the strike. Those were the the best descriptions that he gave me. And uh, so that was his story. Now, here's what happened in 2007. I was doing, I was building my business at that time. I was working constantly. I was out by the lake. And uh, this was around the time, uh, Anthony, I think that you had started coming around. And uh, hanging out with us out there. And do you, do you remember when Bo was working out there, Anthony? Yeah. 
Yeah. So we were all working out there. Now, admittedly, we were working a lot. So, you know, guys were working 24-7. I mean, it was all the time. And we had a guard that worked for us named Philip. Now, Philip, if you're out there, if you're listening, I haven't talked to him forever. And if you hear this, get in touch with me. But anyways, his name was Philip, and I haven't seen him in, gosh, uh, probably since 2008, 2009. And so he was working for me, and he was working for me about two months without a hitch. Everything was fine. Then he comes in one night, and he's all shook up. He goes, dude, I just saw something over the little bridge. When, when, in, now, this is out there by the, the Oasis, the restaurant. And you're driving up to the to the Oasis. It's a really pretty spot. It's a nice place. I know the guy that owns it. And I worked for him, did security for him for about a year and a half. But Philip, had he, he arrived to the site that we were at, and we were watching a place called Villa Montaña. And we were also watching a private residence of a woman who was building a house out there. And he was all shook up. He claimed, and he told me, he told Scorpion, he told, he told Diablo, he told all of us that he saw a grayish, looking alien type creature with red eyes and it jumped kind of out of the bush didn't come out onto the road it just kind of jumped out of the bushes he didn't get a look at the legs or the lower body but he did see a reptilian looking body very much like a chupacabra like you would describe the alien looking chupacabra and that goes back to the puerto rican version or whatever and i'll get to that in a minute too and he said that it was right there to his right as he was driving up. And he said, I just stared at it. I looked right at it. And then it ducked back and went down below the bridge. And there was like a little small bridge you go across, like a creek. And then he got up and, and took Comanche Trail and he took a right and he went up to where we were at the top of the hill. Well, when Bo found out that he had, he, he, he razzed him pretty hard. And you know, my cousin, he can be a pretty, pretty hard guy, whatever. He thought, man, that's ridiculous. That's silly. But over the next two weeks, Bo began to say that there was something out there in the woods. And one night in particular, this is actually the, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Bo, but uh, I had to let you go because you drank a lot at that time. You had some some issues with the drinking. And now he's completely, he's cleaned up. He's been clean for years. He's a great guy, uh, has a business and he's a good kid. But at that time he had some issues. So before I say anything else, he did drink. Okay, folks. And he admitted that he was drinking the night that he claimed that he saw something come out of the woods that almost fit the same description. Now, here's the weird part. He had made fun of Philip and thought, you know, this razzed him. You know, it was like, this guy's an idiot. He saw some crazy stuff. That was the last night that Philip worked out there. He refused to work nights. And then I said, well, I don't have anything in the day. So he went back to work in town or whatever. And then when I started working for the company that I work for now, when I, when I started in and they bought me out and I started working with them, then before I became, you know, had my own stuff, whatever, there was an intermediate phase and I was just kind of working, you know, and I ran into Philip again and we started working together again. And that will lead us into another story. But Bo claimed that he saw something that kind of crawled out of the woods. He didn't get a real good look at it, but he stopped the teasing and the laughing and the making fun. I did not see it. Scorpion and Diablo did not see it. None of us, uh, Bones was working out there too at that time. He didn't see it. The only people that saw it were those two. And so I, I can't really tell you exactly what Bo saw because like I said, he was inebriated, but he did claim to see something out there and that, and we know that we did see lemurs out there because apparently somebody out there had owned lemurs and they had let them go and they bred. 
So there are lemurs. As lemurs do. As lemurs do. We expect. As lemurs are wont to do. So there were lemurs. So I asked him, I said, was it a lemur? He goes, no, this was something else. Well, Bo, you know, like I said, he was drinking, so you can't really say. But they did have a very similar description, you know. Here's the thing. I did, one of the guys that worked for me very briefly out there, uh, this kid, I'm like, well, I don't have permission to say his name. I don't know, um, you know, because I do know him, but I haven't talked to him about it. Uh, since it happened, but he told me a story about his friend's wife having seen one of these creatures out near uh, Westlake. And now that she lives out in Lakeway. So I got in touch with them and I talked to them about it. And this was years ago. And the story that she told me was they were teenagers living out near Westlake Hills. You know where that's at, Tony. And they were driving home from the movie theater, her and two of her friends, and they were all teenage girls. And they were laughing and talking and listening to music, whatever. And this creature jumps out in front of their car, turns and looks at them, and then hops back from where it came right before they hit it. And she said it was really fast. Like it was like boom in front of them, then boom back into the woods. Said that it had long, skinny kangaroo-like legs, grayish skin. That's all she said, grayish skin that looked reptilian had spines on its back going up its head like ridges, okay, and then said that it had big, bulbous, yellowy eyes. Very small, slender forearms, almost, and, and they were short, almost like a T-Rex, and that it hopped backwards. Like it hopped up out on the road kind of on all fours and then turned and hopped backwards um, right in front of their car. And she's like, I know what I saw. Me and my friends saw it, and it was so weird. She did say, too, that about a week before that, her uh, her friend's stepdad claimed to have seen a UFO right there over Lake Travis. Now, I remember around that time, people claiming to see there was some UFO activity up there in that area. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what – I mean, I don't know if there's a connection there. I'm not for sure about that. But uh, that was her story. And so that was an interesting and intriguing one. And I thought, that is weird. That that you know, you don't get a whole lot of like stories of this particular creature, but the ones that we have gotten have been in that Western, uh, rim, um, the West Lake to Lake all the way out to Lake Travis type area. So I, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. It terrified her and her friends. And she said that she'll never forget it. It was like, I'll never forget it, blah, blah, blah. And not too long ago, I actually did talk to her husband. Again, uh, you know, they've been married for years and I did, and he reiterated that she's never changed her stance on the story. Now I haven't talked to her again recently, but yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty crazy, that story. So here's the other thing. Back in 2000, uh, me and Gary, me and Scorpion or Gary, we were working and I, and I've told this story before on a reptilian abductions episode or whatever of, um, PRT. We were working with a lady at this startup company called Vignette that went under. It's no longer there. And we were doing security, and we worked with her for about a month or so. And Scorpion decided to tell her about my dogman experience, which I was kind of aggravated about because this lady doesn't know us. And then, he, but, but apparently she had talked about aliens and UFOs, so he thought, you know, I'll tell her about what happened to Wolf. 
So I got kind of mad because, you know, you're it's working with story. It's yeah. not, you know, it's a professional setting. And this yeah. woman is a lieutenant for that particular company. We had two different companies working there. We worked directly for the building, the property manager, and they worked for Vignette. So they had two sets of security guards. So at any time you had four, I think four or five, five guards at that building at any given time. And then you had our site supervisor that worked over at the Intel building and he would come over and check on everybody, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't want the company I was with at that time to think I was crazy. I didn't want this lady to go and tell the clients that I was crazy. And so I said, why did you tell her that? And he says, well, she's got an interesting story. So anyway, long story short, uh, not to reiterate what, what's already been talked about on the show, but she talked about these, uh, alien abductions. Now my friend Willie, who's now deceased at the time, he, he was, uh, you know, always around and he lived with us off and on for years. And I think he might have been staying with us at that time. And he could sketch. Now, you know that about him. He yeah. could draw. He was a very good artist. You're a very good artist, too. I was actually surprised when uh, we went to the uh, memorial and I saw some pictures of his old artwork. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man. Like, you, you could, everyone says, like, oh, someone, they know someone who draws. But when you really see the artwork and you really see, like, the detail that he put into it, I was actually impressed. And as you said, like I can draw a little bit, but sometimes uh, you see people and you're just like, oh, it just makes you feel like an amateur. And Willie was Willie talented. Was that guy? Willie yeah. was talented in almost a lot of things. It was impressive uh, his knowledge and his uh, skills. Yeah, and and it's sad because the brain cancer kind of had toward the end of his life. It took that from him. But I I called up Willie one night when I was there because I began to talk to this lady. And as of, as you know, anybody who's listened to PRT, if you're a PRT veteran, uh, we've we've covered this. She was she she began to be abducted around the age of eleven uh, that she remembers, and then later her sister was abducted too. And then they lived in Pennsylvania, and, w- and when they were on vacation in the Poconos, the Greys were the original abductees, and then these reptilian-looking creatures started to be involved in the abductions. And there was a third creature that she talked about that was like this weird little impish creature that would kind of hop around on board these ships that she was on. Now, she never really could 100% say that they were on a ship or if they were in a facility or if they got in a ship and went to a facility. She wasn't ever 100% about that. What she was 100% about was that, that, that there, were, there were these little creatures that were involved, that were there, that were kind of around. She said they were almost like pets. Like, it was just weird. They were just kind of there. Um, they weren't really doing anything. They just kind of hopped around and followed the the uh, grays. She, it, it, she said that she got the impression that those creatures were kind of like like from the reptilians, like a, like a hybrid type animal. Um, like if you took the two different species and you put them together, you know, but that they were doing work for the grays or something. It was weird. I think they may have been like their guards. Like kind of like guard dogs, but she said that she would hear them hissing and they would. It scared her. They scared her more than the other species. One of the things that I remember, though, it was that was a very brief part of of the of that whole deal. She didn't really talk much more about those. It was more about the reptilians and. and, and the, well, she has. A, she, I mean, I remember her. I, it's hard to forget her story. So like, she had a lot. So yeah. It, you know, I'm, I wouldn't expect her to go into detail about every little thing that yeah, she the, saw. Yeah, the smaller creatures weren't. But here's what's telling and why it's important to this story, because I called Willie, 
And I said, hey, what are you doing? Can you come up here to the job site where I'm at? And I'm over there on, on I was on Mopac on, at working. Um, it's one of the highways here on. And so he came up there and he brought his sketch pad and a cup of coffee. And he sat there and Willie, as you know, could draw. And she gave him a uh, description and he just began to draw. And he said, does this what it looked like? So she said, no, there's a few different things here. This And he changed it and he changed it. And then she said, that's it. And I'll never forget, he had a picture of these three grays kind of standing there to the left of the, on the paper. To the right were these two almost Godzilla, skinny, uh, like Godzilla-looking creatures. That's only I, could just, I don't know how to describe it any other way. And it's how she described them, too. The way that they looked on the paper was kind of like. And then there were these two little impish-looking creatures standing at the foot of those grays, like like oh, like in between them and the reptiles, and then one at the foot of the grays. It was a chupacabra. Like, I mean, at, at that time in 2000, I didn't go, oh, that's a chupacabra, because I really wasn't, I didn't know a whole lot about the phenomena. Um, I had heard of it, whatever, but I don't think I put two and two together and said, uh, yeah, that's a chupacabra. But looking back over the years, I asked Willie, too, not too long ago before he passed away, if he had uh, any of those old sketchbooks, and he had moved around a lot and didn't know where it was at. But he had that picture for a long time. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, uh, like, Loki, Chief, Squid, uh, Scorpion D, everybody, see, all the guys from the old days, your stepdad, they've probably all seen that picture because we had it sitting on a poster board for a long time in my old place. And then Willie took it when he left and, and I don't remember what happened to it. And, you know, he had some, a couple others too that he, that he had sketched one time when she was on a ship and she was looking at, you could see, like she said, you could look out and see the stars one time where she knew where she was at. And she said one of those creatures was in the corner and it was kind of hissing. She also described like these little dwarf looking creatures, which were kind of menacing too. But she felt like that those creatures were being controlled by the upper echelon creatures or whatever. And I am going to do a show about the praying mantis uh, creatures at some point because I've got enough stories now for a show for that. But at this point, you know that that was that was uh, her experience, um, and and of course that was kind of a, a sideline, not not a that, that that's not the the main uh, meat and potatoes of her story. Yeah. But it is interesting that they did look like these creatures that people describe these little whatever chupacabras one of the things that redfern told me too was that that people they get they they talk about these things as having wings i think that ken said that too that's not really uh, most of the descriptions i've gotten i have gotten none with wings but i will read you a story from uh one of my listeners named eddie and he sent me a story and that's Eddie's not his real name. I'm just going to use that, but I'm going to read it to you because I didn't have time to really commit this whole thing to memory because I just got this every yesterday and I've had, like I said, folks, I got a bunch of stories. We can definitely do another episode of this. Okay. This one here says, first he apologizes because he says he's been really, really busy with work. Unacceptable. Okay. PRT comes before everything, including your life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You have work right now? Wow, you're really living it up, huh? I bet you feel special, better than all of us over here. <laughs> How dare you brag about that in front of us? Well, we're we're working a lot too. Yeah, but most but people don't have it. We don't need to tell people that, all right? That's yeah. Yeah, feel sorry for us. Send us donations. Yeah, we're I mean, all just yeah. struggling all the time. Banjo's, yeah. you know, a stick. 
again. Well, he you know, the, the, he has lost the, the the poundage that you'd put on him at the jobs. Yeah, he used to. Like, I think uh, I was looking at it. He lost like two chunky. pounds. He's becoming chunky for a while. I'm I'm liking these stories, but I I just I'm a little hurt by the misrepresentation that you're showing these chupacabras because in the first story, obviously that was self defense. Poor chupacabra was sleeping. Man comes up and tries to kick, <laughs> kick it. Kick him. <laughs> what, what do you expect to happen? And in the he second, thought it was a Pokemon until he got really okay. close. That does not. So you just if you see Pokemon, you just start kicking them around. Absolutely, I kick Pokemon's oh if gosh. I see them. <laughs> so, anyways, here what he says. he says: Sorry, Wolf, been busy with work. Uh, he goes, I got a few stories here from my grandpa. He says a little background on him and the situation. My grandpa worked various jobs in Mexico. They come from a very poor family and lived in the hills. He had many jobs such as masonry, cemetery guard. Not sure exactly what his job was there, but he also worked in the town's morgue. He worked at his fish farm and his crops. And for fun, he went down to the Palenque to fight his roosters, which is extremely common and also legal in Mexico. That's where his first encounter happened. My grandpa said he was he was with a few friends packing up their roosters and things when they heard crates being messed with outside. They rushed outside thinking someone was stealing their roosters when they got there. He got a, he got a glimpse of what he described looked like an iguana monkey mix. He said it was a dull gray color, no hair. Uh, its skin had the, it, it was all skin. It had a head like a monkey, but with a slight snout like a goat's and fangs and sharp teeth in its mouth. Big black eyes and had two nubs in its head. Not really horns from what he remembers, but like a juvenile whose horns are coming out. Bumpy, but a, a bumpy back like if its spine was poking out of its skin and that followed up un, until... The tip of its tail, its hands were skinny and bony, which ended in claws. When they rushed out to see it, it had a rooster in one hand and turned to see them and hissed before he was able to get a shot at it. It leaped about two or three meters and ran off into the night. He said him and his friends had heard about the chupacabra but never believed it to be true. His second encounter was very brief, but a few weeks or a couple months after the initial one, he was walking back home from the town's bar with two friends. And they heard something was was running behind them. Each time they looked back, they didn't see anything, and it and it only ran when they walked and talked. They played it off as being drunk and hearing things. When halfway up the the, the hill, they heard a goat from the house to the left of them scream, and a fuss going on in the crowd. They ran into the property, and when they arrived, they saw the same creature stuck to a goat's neck. The homeowner came out and shot it. He said the shot blew its right arm off and it screeched. He said it sounded like when you scratch your fork to your plate and it makes that screeching sound, but like if it was gurgling as well. Following day, he returned to the house where everything happened to talk, where everything happened to talk to the homeowner and the hand was in a mummified state already, like as if it had been dying even for months. What was weird is that the hand went from being fresh to mummified overnight, but after that it didn't change appearance for a few weeks until one day it just turned into dust. He also mentioned that where they shot it the following day, there was a black, thick goose substance. I asked him if it looked like asphalt, but he doesn't know what that is. It's only the main road in our town only got paved about five to ten years ago. And that's way down in the bottom of the hill. My grandpa lives in one of the five houses at the very top. Third encounter was about three months after the second encounter, and it was his last encounter. He was walking towards his job as a night watch at the cemetery when he heard rustling in the bushes and then running on the dirt road. He turned and saw the same armless creature once again. The difference that now it had small horns sticking at its head. They were no longer nubs. It chased him a few blocks when his cadejo appeared and made the creature screech and it scared it away. That was his last personal experience. And I'll just go ahead and tell you what the cadejo is, is the black dog. 
Uh, he says that his grandfather was gifted a Cadejo, which is a hellhound. And that's a story for another time. He says, uh, that's not, that's not unheard of. Like if you know someone who is a bruja and they can actually give you, well, it's actually like a curse too, but they can give you a familiar or lend one to you. It's, it's, it's hard to explain it. That's a whole nother episode. But I mean, uh, that seems like a double-edged sword, so I don't know if I would really yeah, want to. Yeah, I don't think I would it. want that. But uh, apparently in this case, it did chase the creature off. Fourth encounter from my grandpa was one of his friends that found the creature inside its chicken coop. So this wasn't his, his encounter, it was his friends. He heard its chickens make a, a fuss and went to get his gun and ran outside. He found the creature and shot at it, but missed. The creature panicked and ran and jumped over the, the, the coop without being, able, without being able to find the door until it finally escaped. My grandpa was called the following night to check out the damage, and he noticed the same thick black substance all over the coop where the creature damaged himself in the panic. In the panic, He did say his friend mentioned he saw small wings, but my grandpa says he thinks his friend was just too brainwashed with the media, and the panic made him see things. He never saw wings in either of his encounters, in any of his encounters. So that is weird, but not not totally uh, unusual in, in when it comes to these creatures. A lot of times they do attack, attack chickens. Now, I told you that I was going to tell you a story that, that when, when Philip was working for us again later on, he went in to get his check one day, and uh, I told him to tell Marty, uh, my business partner, I told him to tell him the story about what he saw out by the lake. He was a little bit apprehensive, but he actually did tell him. And there was a guy named named uh, Frankie that worked there with us, and he was from Puerto Rico, but he had been living here since he was a kid. And he spoke, you know, pretty good English. I mean, he was you, you could barely tell that he even like you know was was from there. When he told me he was Puerto Rican, I was I was like, wow. And he said he actually lived there until he was like you know seven eight years old. Don't they speak English in Puerto Rico? Though? Yeah, but I, I mean, mean like mostly this, speak this Spanish, guy didn't but... even have an accent. Oh, okay. like, he had no accent at all, and I didn't know he was from Puerto Rico. I thought he was Mexican, like he was Mexican. And so when me and Frankie started talking, he says, I got a story for you. So we went outside and we're, he was smoking a cigarette, whatever. And he says, years ago, my grandfather told me and my dad, my dad, he told my dad a story. This happened before he was even born. And he said that there was a, a creature or something that was attacking their chickens and, and they were, they were disappearing. And, um, most of them, they would just, they would just be gone. They were just like every day there was another chicken that was gone. So, uh, but some of them they would find with puncture wounds, like one single puncture wound, and they would be exsanguinated, basically with no blood. So his grandfather put a little bell on on the on the coop, like you know, so if something rattled it or moved it, you know, from the outside where this thing they think was getting in, because they they saw a spot where it was digging. And now here's a weird story. Now he said that he said that his grandfather went outside. And heard the noise from the bell, whatever. Him and his friend went outside. They had stayed up and they were they were drinking some rum. And uh, they stayed up and waited. They went outside. They heard the little bell go off. And they saw this creature that was completely flattened out, that was canine looking in appearance, halfway under the chicken coop where that hole was, where they where they had dug. Its back legs were were on its, like the haunches were sticking straight up. There were little ridges all up and down its legs, all the way up and down its back, all the way up to its head. The head was uh, oblong, kind of like an oval, the way he described it, like an egg. But it was turned at a weird angle. And the ridges on the back were, were, were like, you could see it going down the spine. 
they weren't like pointy or anything like that. They were just like nubs. And it its forelimbs were underneath the coop, and it had this long protrusion sticking out of its mouth, jabbed into one of the chickens, and it was like you know exsanguinating it. It was drinking its blood. And he said that his grandfather and his friend both shot it, both hit it like bam, bam, you know, like bam, blew half of its body off. This thing flattened itself out even more, missing part of its body, and pulled itself. Like first these ridges on the back shot up into spikes, like spines, tried to pull itself out from underneath the coop and was flopping and flipping around and tore the wiring and everything down on top of itself, like twisted the wiring out. And then it literally, the spikes went through the, the metal, pulled itself out from underneath it, z- whipped itself around and it morphed. It went from looking almost canine-like to being a alien-looking, reptile-looking creature with big eyes, and that it screeched and screeched, and then it turned and flopped around on its left side because the right side was completely blown off and just hopped. It literally hopped away, leaving behind a black substance. So that that's the story he told me, and I was, like, in shock. And, of course, he told me and the guy that had seen the chupacabra-looking creature out the lake um, I think Scorpion was there and, you know, a couple other guards. And, uh, yeah, he told us that story. And I thought, wow, that is, that is a trip. I mean, that's a crazy story. And that happened in Puerto Rico. Okay. And so that, that was his story. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm going to read one more that I got recently from a, from a longtime listener. So here, here's her story. Well, I'm definitely, int- I mean, what I like about the Chupacabra is like, you know, in Texas, even if you're not super big on the paranormal, you probably know what the Chupacabra is. You know what, like when someone says it, you have an idea of like what you, they, they should be expecting. You know, I mean, unfortunately, like I feel like Dogman, like if you say that to someone who doesn't know it, they're going to look at you crazy. But one of the cool things in Texas is the fact that like if you do say Chupacabra, there will be recognition. Yeah, and I think that it's like that in the Latin American countries. Everybody's got their own version of it. But I honestly think that in that Puerto Rico being a hotbed for those alien-looking ones, but I think that when you get stories from other Latin American countries and you get stories from other parts of Texas, I think there's two different things going on. And I'm not going to say that the, uh, the, that the blue dog doesn't ex- exsanguinate animals, but I don't have any proof of it, you know. I've only got that one story where somebody claims that they saw it clamp onto a chicken and drink the blood. You know, I I, I don't know. Uh, th- this is a story though that happened, or that I got from a, a, a listener yesterday. Now, this one says, "I read a story talking about the Anasazi having a pet that was much like the chupacabra that they kept on a rope, but we all know it as Cocopelli." Look at the spines on the back, then look at Cocopelli's neck. Chupacabra is called the goat sucker. Look at Cocopelli's little flute or straw. My mother was living in Puerto Rico in 1947. Her husband, Sam, was stationed there, and my brother's pet, I'm I'm sorry, my brother's Pat and Mike were born there. We were talking about ghosts and other weird things, and she brought up a weird little thing one of their neighbors had told her while in Puerto Rico. The neighbor lady was born and raised there, and she, she... And mom were talking one day and she told mom that if she was ever out taking a walk and ran into a horrible looking creature that walked upright with spines down its back to not run, never run, just start singing, 
Sing something soothing like a baby's lullaby and it will calm down and leave you alone. Now come closer to our timeline. My mom is gone by this time, but I hear a cryptid researcher from South Carolina who spends time in Puerto Rico talking about the Chupacabra. He tells he was telling about a sighting there by a man that was on a hike on a trail that led down to the, to, to the ocean. He passed two people coming back up the trail from there and all was good. But that he was, he, but then he goes around a curve in the path, and one of those things comes walking out of the jungle forest. It says jungle slash forest. The guy was a native from there and said his grandmother had told him about these things, and again, to never run or it will attack you. He said he remembered his grandmother telling him to start singing and it will leave you alone. So he starts singing and he's looking at its red eyes and it looks angry and is hissing at him. But as he is singing, it looks like it starts to calm down. And then it just walks back off into the trees. He turns and hauls his butt back the way he came. So listening to this account and what mom told me her neighbor had told her makes me wonder if the Cocopelli holding a flute may have something in common with the music soothing them. But I don't know. So. Did you have anything else like that? Like the singing might help? Uh, well, here's what I'm going to say. If, if if Scorpion starts to sing, uh, we're all doomed because this thing's going to become angry and jump on our necks and probably rip our heads well, off. Well, if Scorpion starts to sing, I'm sure uh, none of us would be alive to really worry about that. So <laughs> It'll make our ears bleed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Folks, uh, Scorpion. I think I'll probably be like running at it to get it so I can just go ahead and, you know, get it to get me first. The, yeah. The point to that is that once when he was young, he was in a choir and somebody lied to him and told him he was a great singer. And now he's, he, he, he pollutes our, air, our airwaves with his singing sometimes and he you know sings and and it's 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 awful i mean it is it's absolutely awful when i first told nelly how bad it was she was like it's not that bad is it and when she heard him in his room she was like oh my gosh i said yes exactly i mean i thought my dad couldn't sing but we're not going to get into yeah, <laughs> get into scorpion's uh, ability to 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 uh you know to uh, do a cappella but the, the point is is that that we don't want him to be the one to sing now if it's me I have a soothing voice anyway. I'll just talk to him. I'll tell him stories about cryptids and ghosts, and he'll be fine. If it's Tony, yeah, well, who knows? We're probably uh, he'll look at me and realize like, oh, this is this is probably the best person I've ever seen. So oh, I don't gosh. really need to worry about it. But uh, yeah, I guess you could just talk to it, do that if that works for you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here, here's what I'll tell you: in in the Mexican culture, if you see la chusa, you're never supposed to whistle at it. Okay, ever. You don't whistle at it and you don't sing. So, because, and if you sing, you can also attract La Llorona or you can attract La Chusa. So, you don't sing. It's like the opposite. So, to hear people say that you're supposed to sing to this creature, this isn't the first time I've heard that story that you're supposed to sing to one of these little demonic entities. This the singing thing, I don't I don't know if there's any any validity to that. Now, I know that if you whistle and you're in the fields at night, then you could attract the Cadejo. But apparently the Cadejo chases off the Chupacabra, so then all you got to do is figure out a way to get the, the Cadejo off of you. So I don't know if you're supposed to sing to that too. Or Can I get a book? Can I get just like a Gravity Falls just <laughs> a guide handbook? Book? Yeah, because <laughs> apparently you got to sing for some creatures. And whistle for whistle. others, but don't whistle and to can others. Can I just mention something real quick? Who's going around seeing monsters and singing and whistling? <laughs> like that's your first thought. Uh, well, you know, and, 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 you know, don't ever talk politics with them, whatever you do, <laughs> and don't talk religion. Okay. 
folks, that's the that was that's the show. You know, I hope you enjoyed it. We went, we gave you a good hour and twenty minutes of our of our precious valuable time that you know we could be spending sleeping or playing video games. Yeah, uh, I'm just kidding. We actually work all the freaking time, so. Uh, we're hoping eventually that the show will be big enough to where it'll encompass the entire earth and it'll just become kind of like a way of life for everyone to just listen to me talk. So, um, okay. Yeah. I guess that's what you want. <laughs> I was going bigger. I was thinking, that, uh, you know, cause as we all know, aliens do exist now. Apparently we have proof. So, uh, well, okay. The final thoughts. Do you think that the, uh, the chupacabra is an alien? Um, uh, that's hard to say. Do I think maybe it could be an alien? I think there might be like one, like because you did mention like they they did see like different types. So I believe like there probably is just different creatures are different like types of chupacabras, and some of them are not exactly alien in the sense that they're not they're like made somewhere else. It might be like they took some chupacabras from here, did some experimentation, and made something Altered else. Altered them. Yeah, so that's why they look different. What about the inner earth theory? Because that one did crawl underneath the cactus. I've always heard that they, they, they come out of the ground. Might be why they look so weird. I mean, I doubt you'd have, I mean, naked mole rats are, you know, naked and they're, they, <laughs> they're always underground. It might be like because they, they're hairless and they don't have any, like, anything like that, that they probably do reside underneath underground. I don't know. We, we hopefully we've given you food for thought and you guys can draw your own conclusions and you can make up your own minds about what you believe. Well, I actually uh, just want to thank Ken Gerhardt one quick because I know you spent a lot of time speaking to him. But um, he when I actually when we went down to San Antonio to actually meet him and we had that great time. And we watched him speak. Yeah, you know, I had a quick like I'd say 10, 15 minute conversation with him about his travels down to New Mexico or uh, Mexico. Uh, about how he was receiving about like some of what they thought was a chupacabra attack about on some goats and you know i was looking at it and i said man i'm i'm looking at these and it looks like someone just slit their throats and he was like that's exactly what i think too i mean i went down there and i saw it and it looked like someone did just slit their throats and we spent a long time talking and i was just super impressed that he didn't try to say like this is a chupacabra. He was he was very just like no, I don't think that this was, and it made me realize like hey, he's just someone who wants to find the correct answers and he's looking for that and he doesn't mind if he doesn't find it. He doesn't mind if he has to wander around a lot and he just wants to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just want to you know I just, I appreciate him because like I think that's the first time I actually spoke to someone about the chupacabra in detail and like he was a very informative very matter of fact exactly guy. and you know that i you know once again I just want to thank him for that yeah and i want to thank all the other people that helped me with my research there were several uh gosh um i mean everyone in the group when you made that post i mean i know yeah, this, I everybody know. that helped yeah. in, in the research of this and getting it closed and doing it whatever i didn't get to use everybody's stories and maybe we'll do another one and we'll revisit it uh, there's a lot to this. This is a big subject, folks. It's a very vast subject, and, and I appreciate you listening to me. And I thought I was on to something. I thought I had seen another cryptid, but apparently it's just a blue dog. Thanks a lot, Ken, for bursting my bubble. And he even laughed. He was like, I'm going to have to burst your bubble here. And I'm like, you're having too much fun with this. <laughs> uh, but him and Nick, uh, Nick Redfern, I want to appreciate for uh, – uh, say I appreciate you giving me your time and giving me your, your – uh, can't wait to have you on the show. 
Nick Valente, same thing. Can't wait to get you on the show and talk. Those guys, very matter of fact, just like Ken, they want to know the truth and want answers. Very well read and researched guys. Very good authors. And Nick, uh, just an an all around great guy. Just a good dude, man. And so. Everybody, I want to say thank you for P- from PRT for listening to us and, and uh, hearing us talk. And thank you for being loyal. And I hope that everybody's um, enjoying their, uh, is going to enjoy their Labor Day coming up. Everybody have a good time. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. Bye-bye.